0: Morning, everyone, my name's Alana Imes and you're listening to First Time Films. So today on today's podcast we have Heather, Marnie and Manon. Would you like to introduce yourselves?
1: Hi, I'm Heather Hilditch um, and I don't have really any qualification to talk about film.
2: <laughs> Marnie. Um, hi, I'm Marnie. I have definitely less qualification um, or qualifications to talk about films, but I don't think you need any. So that's why I'm here
3: mm-hmm. um, <laughs> nice. um, hi, I'm Manon I yeah, I, I love film. I do technically have a qualification, but I also don't think you really need one. so I'm just I'm just excited yes. to like <laughs> go on full-on rambling about how much I love film and, and that's why I'm here. I mean, nice. Don't get me wrong. like we love the qual we
2: love the qualifieds. We love the qualified, um yeah.
0: Nice to get a mix. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I am qualified, but also yes. don't don't really like watch that many films. Because I only watch films that I want to watch, which means I haven't seen oh. half of the films that you should watch. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean. Same. I'm, like I'm twenty two, yeah. I've never seen Pulp Fiction. I don't care. I've never seen Pulp Fiction. alright, it's, right, it's shit. Take a deep breath. This is this is David has left the room and now we've taken over and this is Alexandra. <laughs> this is yes. on the podcast
1: Can we sweet? Can we sweet on this podcast? Yeah. Okay. Oh thank God. God. and David, you better keep that in there.
0: <laughs>
2: and you know what? This is ladies' night. This is yeah, ladies' exactly. night on the pod and ladies I feel like oh, oh, film, yeah. film podcasts they can be very or you know just film dis- discussions on film online. They're all, they're very male centered a lot of the time. So yeah. I think the ladies are here, and we say, without having watched it, Pulp Fiction is shite. Oh, no, I, can, I, have, I have
1: seen it. I have seen it. and
0: I, oh, can, right, really, spell shite. I
1: can I can <laughs> unequivocally say that it is, it's, it's shite. It's
3: bad. It's, absolutely. it's not good. Yeah. It's not I good. try to watch it, like, three times, and every time I fell asleep. So, like, not my, <laughs> not, not, not my cup of tea. Very, very boring indeed. Like, not even in my sermon could keep me from, like, yeah. you know, keep me and from it's watching it. To, absolutely that, fair. That's the same. Yeah that's
1: here's my here's my take right here's the take Mm
0: -hmm.
1: the first take of the evening is that if If John John Travolta is not singing in a film it's not good like if he (laughs) 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 and he doesn't sing in it it's not good yeah exactly excellent film Hairspray even better film Uh I said what I said you said what you
0: said
2: Yeah. yeah 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 you're right I think, you know, play to your strengths. And if you've not got them singing, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> I agree. Exactly.
0: I agree. Okay, so it's podcast time. Are we ready? Podcast time. Yeah, very ready. Oh, right. Yeah. So I said before my full name, my Christian name, but no one that listens to the podcast knows me as that. They all know me as AJ. I don't know why I said my Christian name. Sorry, I was nervous. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> today... We are here, and the I think it's we're either the second or the third episode in the Valentine's February like series that David's doing of romantic mm-hmm. films, mm-hmm. and we are doing a portrait of a lady on fire. Ooh. So what we're gonna do <laughs> is first of all we're gonna go round everyone and ask them what their favourite romantic film is or romantic comedy, and what you did for Valentine's Day. So just to warm up. Just a warm up. So, Marnie, we'll start with you. Oh my goodness! Oh, my favorite
2: romance film. Do you know what this one's up here? I'm gonna say Portrait of a Lady is up there. Um, thirteen going on thirty. Is that is that a rom com? Is that yeah, like, yeah? A that's
0: a rom com. But we're taking that's we a rom com and we run. But we love rom coms. But we're talking right, okay? But are we talking like romance, romance, like anything, very anything, romance? anything about love? do you know what mm. in the end that's about love I feel okay like and I finding yourself but finding yourself is also about love so
2: that is also a form of love i'm Still gonna go love. with
0: either either 13 going on 30
2: or um atonement which is a very yes. sad film yeah which is really I sad
0: atonement. but
2: um i think that's a lovely film yeah i mean uh-huh. you know it's, it's miserable but yeah i like it <laughs> and what did i do on valentine's day Oh, I had I had five different dates lined up and obviously uh yeah I had a great had a great time no I went to work and then I came <laughs> home and then um, came home and, uh you know I had dinner with my mum and dad and uh, it was lovely and
0: That's then lovely
2: and then I tidied the bathroom up cleaned the bath and I uh, went to bed it was very very romantic and um yes
0: it wasn't very sexy at all but cleaning the bathroom self-care and self-love
2: that's true i like that i like the i like that attitude Mm -hmm. who's next um i'll
1: go next um so my favorite romantic films. Not gonna lie, I just googled romantic films because I have forgot. <laughs> I forgot yeah. Whenever someone asks me like, "What's your favorite film?" I'm always like,
0: "I don't know." Heather, <laughs> don't know that it's Twilight. So I don't know why you're like, Stop <laughs> it! Get <It, it, laughs> out of my face.
1: Um, I uh, my favorite romantic films. I love Brokeback Mountain. Oh. Brokeback oh. Oh. Mountain is, and people say that's not romantic. I'm like. It's romantic. Get my face. Mm-hmm. Um, what well, else Ang- would it be? I know. I love Ang Lee. I love that film. Um, also, Heath Ledger. Uh, Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh my god, so John- mm-hmm. I love that film. Mm-hmm.
0: <gasps> I love that film. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. No, that's mm-hmm. up there as well. With the when when he gets the the band out. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> oh, so
0: good. Um,
1: <sighs> I can't. This, this is a film. I can't, this is there's only a scene in this film. You know what? I'm actually not going to talk about it because it's just going to get. David's just going to have to edit it out because it doesn't make any sense. Um, there's a <laughs> film. There's a, there's a film I really like that's romantic and it's set in Italy, but I can't remember the name of it. And no, it's not "Call Me by Your Name." <laughs> <laughs> do you know
2: how anyone, do you, guys, anyone,
0: hits anyone hits out with cannibal jokes? No, no, no. <laughs> do you want to hear? Do you want to hear the real backstory of today's podcast? Is that I was yes. supposed to do "Call Me by Your Name" as the film. Oh, and then yeah. I messaged David after the, all the army hammers have out. And I went, David, I don't know if it's going to be in good taste to do this anymore. He's yeah. probably, probably going to mm. have to edit this bit out us talking about it. And then, uh-huh. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I'm sure it'll still be fine. He thought I was joking. And then a week later, when it got even worse, he messaged me back going, yeah, I don't think we can do it anymore. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Army <laughs> Hammer is literally on Twitter crunching people's toes, and you want me to go on talking about coming no. out in. I was like, no, we're going to have and to change, babe. And then we did. And I'm glad we did.
2: Yeah. And do you know what? I think, um, I think, like, maybe I'm, I don't know, biased. I don't know if it's, if it's even biased, but I think Portrait of a Lady is a much better film. Oh, oh yeah. And, oh, oh, yeah. For dare sure. I, I say, is, like, more romantic?
1: romantic? It is oh. romantic because one of them's not a minor.
2: Oh yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, that's yeah, more, definitely. Not, not
0: I knew there plastic. was a reason. I was yeah. like, There's definitely a reason why I they're feel both, more comfortable watching this. They're both yeah. adult women, and also it's less about like the obviously in that film it's male gaze, but in this it's so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. E- male gaze.
3: Like the only reason for me to watch Call Me by Your Name is first of Jan Stevens, and I can just open Spotify and listen to his music, yeah. then watch the film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, anytime Same you thing. want. Yeah, so yeah.
1: I, and also her, I love the movie her. Even though mm, it's, I, yeah. I get it, people, some people don't like it. It's a bit weird. He wants to like have sex with the phone, whatever. <laughs> but I think I, just, there's just something about it is that it makes me feel very romantic. Um, maybe it's Joaquin Phoenix's mustache. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, no. And then for Valentine's Day, um, I was on a uh, FaceTime call with my girlfriend, who's oh. AG.
3: <laughs> I
0: don't know how to. I don't know how to make that subtle. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: oh. I do. My girlfriend, to like, who you. is hosting the podcast. <laughs> yeah. There's a, no no nepotism here, guys. Oh my god. Lovers <laughs> on the pod. Yeah. the so,
2: podcast, never... I love it. <laughs>
0: lovers on the pod. Um,
1: <laughs> oh wait. Oh no. Wait. That's no. <laughs> Sorry, it's, I feel so bad for David because he's just gonna have to cut out half my rambling I'm sorry David no it's fine
0: no. the more content there is the better yeah, yeah it's yeah, good it's chat true. it's not rambling yeah so yeah and I'm gonna be the next Rosie Ramsey so
1: <laughs> on Valentine's Day me and a g had a call together which was really lovely um and then before that I was um at um the sapphic writers valentine's day launch which i which i was featured in which is nice um okay. and that that was yeah that amazing was, yeah.
0: what was that it was a very nice day amazing and what about you Mum?
3: Um, I am a big fan of rom-coms, like, I just, my my brain opened a massive tab of all my favorite rom-coms. Um, I think one that I can always watch is When Harry Met Sally, it's just Mm -hmm. such a classic, and I love me a good Nora Ephron, and, like, uh, I just Mm -hmm. want, you know, the fashion sense of Sally in it, but also, um, Imagine Me and You, because it's just very wholesome, and I just love, you know, the quote, you're a wanker, number nine, um... (laughs) So definitely, um I think if I had to narrow it down, it probably would be those two. And I actually cannot remember, for the love of God, what I did on Valentine's Day this year. I remember that last year, though, I went to the cinema all by myself and watched uh, Birds of Prey. And then right afterwards, Emma, and it was the best Valentine's Day ever. Like, it was, I, I can just recommend. Remember cinemas? Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's, it's That's the most it's romantic been,
0: part of all. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been eighty-four years since they were open, and I miss
1: them I dearly. Mean, just, just the concept of cinemas—they are so romantic. Just sitting yeah. in like a pure dark. Even if you're like there alone, I love going to the cinema alone because you're just like in a little darkened room watching a film, seeing it for the first time. So all your reactions are really raw, and then like there's just like hundreds of strangers about you being like like going through the same thing. I think yeah. that's so sweet. Sorry if I get hashtag deep, <laughs> but
0: <laughs> I just—I fucking miss going out. Yeah, yeah
1: I know. That's the
0: end of that. Yeah. Right. Well, now we've delved into mm-hmm. what you all did on actual Valentine's Day. Let's let's scale it back and let's talk about Portrait of a Lady on Fire. while we're all here. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna give a brief IMDb rundown of it, and then we're gonna talk about it. So the film is set in France in 1770 and in the film we see a young painter commissioned to paint a wedding portrait, Uh, her name's Marianne and she's commissioned to paint a wedding portrait of another young lady called Heloise and she has just left the convent and is scheduled to marry, uh, well scheduled, set to marry an Italian man but she's reluctant so Marianne must not only paint her portrait but she must do it in secret without her knowing and that results in her pretending to be her companion so she can observe her um, in detail by day and then paint her in secret at night. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: So what I'll do is first of all we'll just get everyone's initial sort of reaction. So was this everyone's first time watching the film? Yes.
2: No it wasn't wasn't
0: mine. Right so... Heather, you are the first-timer of first-time films.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: As per the concept. Mm -hmm. Right, so let's just talk about what we initially thought about going into the film the first time we watched it and then what we thought the second time. And maybe, like, had you seen stuff about it, have you heard anything about it, and what were your, like, initial reactions? So, Heather, do you want to go first? Um, Yeah, so I I
1: actually, um, not to be topical, but I um, had planned to see it at the gft when it came out like last february march um but because of the pandemic i couldn't um so yeah i was i was pretty i was pretty excited to um to watch it for the first time because you know i'd just been uh, not putting it off but i guess i just hadn't thought of it um you know after i couldn't see it in the cinema and stuff like that so um yeah, I was. I was. Um, There's a lot of anticipation around watching it for the first time. I'd seen, obviously, the trailer. I'd read reviews um, and seen a few video essays, <laughs> <laughs> um, not to be intellectual, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I'd see, so I'd definitely like seen discourse around it and stuff like that. But I didn't know really any of the plot except from you know the basis of um, the story so it was nice to go in it into it with you know sort of a fresh um, mind and, and not really know too much about it which was nice. Mm-hmm.
3: Does anyone else want to share their initial thoughts? Yeah sure, um, I was similar like Heather that I wanted to see it at the GFT and then corona hit um, but I managed to watch it like a couple of months later because I think it was added on like German Netflix, like really, really quickly. So that was really fun. Mm. Um, And all I really knew about it other than like the, the very, very, Basic plot was um, the Andy Sandberg tweet where he goes on about how you completely forget that like man exists in this film because for <laughs> such a long time you don't see a man, and then at the very like end there's suddenly this one random delivery guy to take the pot and work and he was like, God damn it, now there is a guy ruining this perfect world. I mean, <laughs> just, every time I watch this film, I have to think about that Andy Sandberg tweet because it's just so true. <laughs> Who,
0: do you know what the men ruined this film?
3: Yeah, for sure.
0: Mind. Agree. I know. And do you know what? Actually, saying that right at the start, like the I don't even know if it's like not the opening bit, but the next bit when she's in the boat, and then her paint and stuff here falls o- over the boat, and none of the guys help her, and she's pure. Yeah, the women to get it. And then you're like, do you know what? You're in. You're on your own in this world. No. But then- anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no no I love it the you first two minutes. minutes I, I like yeah. I'm like six minutes into the film and I'm like if I have to see another man I'm clicking off yeah absolutely Margie, um, what do you think yeah I, I remember thinking when I first watched
2: it like oh why didn't this have like why wasn't everyone sort of chatting about this as much as as you know people um really uh go on about you know the latest film that's coming out and I think yeah you're right it is because Covid and the sort of lockdown happened around about the same time so I'd mainly just read things about it online and and I thankfully there was quite a buzz online about people from um, from people who had seen it so I watched it the first time I watched it I was lying in my bed in the middle of the night and I just sort of cried in silence watching it and then the second time I watched it, I was the exact same position. I was in my bed and I was like, right, but this time I can really watch it and I'll, I'll see things I didn't see before and I'll have like a different understanding and a new perspective. And I did, but I also just still cried my eyes out. Yeah. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. help it. So I it's think... It's um,
0: very intense.
2: <laughs> it's, it's very intense. And I think the first time I heard some of the lines, one thing I will say um, is just, I think it's one of the most beautifully written um films or yeah it's one of the most beautiful pieces of writing I've Mm -hmm. come across in a while Mm -hmm. Um, Mm and I think the first time I watched it I really thought that but then the second time around the lines hit just as hard like I I, Mm would I still felt Mm -hmm. like they were very raw um so yeah I just I bloody love this film and it won't that will not be the last time I say that on this episode I'm sure sure I'll say it again but um (laughs) yeah I really um just was able to soak all up even more. And after this records, and I'll probably go and watch it again, I
0: won't lie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Same. It'll keep mm-hmm. you coming back. hmm Yeah. So we've discussed their initial reactions. Now we're gonna talk about what we think the main themes of the film are. Because there's some as I have done some extensive YouTube deep dive and there's some there's some contention over what we think the themes actually are. <laughs> so let's just go around and Like, what did you take from it what did you think the message was Um, I think um, I think watching it obviously because I've only
1: seen it you know once or twice in like the past like 24 hours or whatever but um, I think watching it what really strikes hard is that obviously it's included in the film but the Orpheus reality Mm -hmm. myth Mm -hmm. is such a huge you know allegory or a metaphor for this whole film and it's sort of woven into the you know the structure of the film really um, and I am um, I'm a bit of a um Greek mythology nerd um so I knew of the myth before it and when she, when I was watching it um like um, after that scene where um Heloise reads that reads that story. Um, it suddenly, you know, it all just sort of shifted into place. That first scene where they're walking, and Heloise is in front, and um, Marianne is behind her. And then, you know, at the very last minute, she turns to look, and it's that sort of, you know, a really arresting look. Um, oh. And I think. I'll try not to go on too long about this because it's, like, don't want to take up all the time. No, no. No, please
2: go for it, please. But, like,
1: obviously in the the myth, and the myth has been adapted into loads of different um, sort of uh, media. Um, It's the basis of the Hades Town musical, um, which which, you know, bears an even closer resemblance to the story of, portrait um but the myth is you know Eurydice and Orpheus are lovers and Eurydice steps on a snake and is taken to the and uh, is taken to Hades and Orpheus goes down to save her and at the very last minute he um, he turns around and the deal he makes with um Hades is broken um and I think what was so you know so sort of pertinent to throughout when I was watching it is that you know the circumstances are, you know, exactly similar. Um and you know some what am I trying to say? Like uh, Heloise is bound into a marriage and you know, Marianne's been asked here to perform, you know, a, to perform, you know, some sort of duty for her. Um to paint this portrait to send her off into marriage. And So that's her fate in that case she's, you know, Eurydice and that places Marianne as Orpheus. And then in the end, when, you know, that fate has to be sealed anyway, despite their love for each other, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Heloise does have to get married to this, you know, nameless Italian man and Marianne must leave her at the end, you know, when she's running down those stairs and then... Heloise is there and she says turn around uh, you know it's that sort of that sort of direct parallel um, to you know um, to Orpheus and Eurydice that you know that uh, that fate plays a larger role rather than personal choice you know what I mean like they, mm-hmm. their circumstances are not self defined um, yeah. and um, and yeah. And that's a big th- fate is a big thing in Greek in Greek mythology, and and in this film in this uh, particular setting, I f- found that to be, um, you know, a really um, sort of uh, clear allegory and sort of what mm-hmm. um, you know what the writing was directing it towards as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because there's definitely like there's a moment where you can like there's a few moments where both of them are. Th- obviously want like they want to be together but they Mm -hmm. like it's that it's that sort of shared information that they both know that it can't happen like they have a short time together and then they they that's it and they both know that that's their fate and then when they're obviously reading that that story Mm -hmm. at, at, at the dinner um they're both looking at each other like they know like when when this ends, it is the end, and that's like they've accepted that fate, but it doesn't make it any easier. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. as
1: well, like with that with that dinner, you know, the what Marianne says is that like Orpheus makes the poet's choice, not the lovers. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the film, when Heloise is you know confronting her about the portrait, yeah, um, she says, you know, do you want me to? you know resist this marriage and marianne Mm. says yes and then heloise asks well well you asked me to and marianne says no so you know she she you know she she normally draws a you know a direct comparison to herself there because she knows that the choice she makes is the artist's one not not the lover's one yeah Um, because because if you know if she if she could um, and as her lover, she's wants to say, you know, don't, you know, don't marry this guy. Um, just stay with me. But she knows that the circumstances of her life command her to be an artist rather than a lover to Hilary. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought that was really
3: interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure.
0: Does anyone else have anything they want to say about the themes? I think that's. Um... I'm just gonna sorry to
2: jump right in. Um, I think that's uh, that is such an interesting part of the film. Um, that myth, uh, I really, mm-hmm. I really like that part. Um, it just reminded me as you were talking there about um, one of my favorite parts when uh, she just she says and um, Heloise says that she will pose for her, and um, I think at this point, um, at this point they sort of are in this strange sort of unspoken relationship
0: yeah um, a flirtationship
2: for flirtationship
0: yeah, sure. yeah yeah and, and she, <laughs> flirtationship for sure for and
2: sure says, um, i think marianne says uh like i'd like i'd like to be in your position like i'd like to be the one you know yeah or or, or yeah. she said i can't remember what, what one it is i'm really butchering this um, explanation now but um Heloise sort of calls her over and says,
0: Yeah, yeah. I know the bit you know. you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's when um, they're talking about the like how she can not te- like she can't hide her emotions from her. Uh, and then she's oh like, I'm in a different yeah. position. It's,
3: it's when she's being seen properly. It's, yeah. it's one of my yeah. favourite bits too.
1: And she's like, uh-huh. if you're seeing me, I'm seeing you. Who am I looking you. at? Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: yeah if yeah, you're looking at one. me, who am I looking at? And I just thought that whole yeah, you're totally right. That whole scene where they're starting to describe one another to each other is just incredibly romantic and um, but without being over the top I think it's very subtle which I think just sums up this whole film yeah mm-hmm. um, and yeah. perfectly but also like really echoes that myth of like you but we don't have like one character looking at the other like we do in the myth like these are two characters who are, who are on mm-hmm. equal terms Yay. and they're saying to each other in that moment like I love you as equally as you love me like I feel the same and it's I just think it's so beautiful and I I just love it so much
3: Mm-hmm. oh absolutely it's also that that notion of being you know known and like not just being seen, but you're, you know being known and that's yeah, kind of like yeah. a sense of love when she like describes each other when they describe each other's mannerisms in such detail and the emotional behind yeah. it and I think mm-hmm. it's such an interesting contrast to the first Padre Marianne draws in secret because uh, you know when she describes what she's doing when she I think it's when she talks about the inner ear and like how you have to draw that like really oh, like well it's yes. like the way and like how she like secretly draws also I think Eloise's hands it's like at very first she sees Eloise as kind of like a sum of her body parts as like an, a commission that she has to like mm-hmm. uh, you know fulfill and draw and then the second portrait is after she's gotten to know Eloise and after she's kind of like really in that flirtationship as she so wonderfully put it mm-hmm. and she's you know falling for it it completely changes the way she obviously draws Eloise and the way she sees it and she kind of goes from the I'd almost say appropriation of for example male gaze when she does the first portrait mm-hmm. when Eloise is a stranger to this like really like kind of lovers portray of being like I see you, you see me, we're we're equals now. There's no no secrets between us. There's just this knowing and this loving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um as well again
2: I, and I don't want to ramble on but I think that idea of like knowing each other, and um, and that's it's it's quite a, it's quite a secretive thing. And I think, um, I think the film portrays it as an inherently feminine thing. I think that yes. that women do yeah. there is this relationship between women, whether it's romantic or platonic, that there's this deeper level of understanding. And what I love about this film is that it is so romantic, but it's just also it tells just a variety of different um, female stories. I love the. Mm-hmm the storyline with them um, both of them trying to look after Sophie who mm-hmm. is really rejecting this like the so sort of a heterosexual you know being a, a mother and you know we don't we don't know who it is that's gotten her pregnant but she's really rejecting this uh that that fate that fate of becoming a mother and then um, and which I just thought was really uh it was really sh- shocking but actually it was so mm-hmm. interesting to watch and her um, very calmly and very powerfully sort of take control of of her of our body and our, her life I suppose and the two of them helping her and um, that I feel is just like a whole that whole theme of sort of um, women supporting one another and, and really mm-hmm. s- sort of knowing what each other are going through without ha- without it being discussed just this sort of really deep understanding mm-hmm. is so yeah it, I just feel it so strongly watching the film
0: yeah definitely oh, sorry. Oh, sorry no you go first um oh god
1: not not me interrupting you and then the thoughts slipping in a no so i i was gonna say like the with the knowing as well like especially with what manon said um i think especially through the film's sort of mechanism is that knowing and um like the act of looking become by become like intensely connected, Do you know what I mean, yeah. so it's like as the as Marianne and Heloise's relationship progresses, um you know, especially in that scene where they are talking about everything they've noticed about the other one, you know, um about you know, their mannerisms and um how they, you know, uh when Marianne saying, you know, you you bet your lip when you're, um, when you're when you're annoyed or something like that. I can't remember it. Um, but that, you know, that that scene I think for me, um, really, you know, su- you know, sealed that relationship that the film was making between that intense knowledge of each other mm-hmm. and the act of looking. You know, and from. And throughout the whole film, you can sort of read the read the relationship between the two of them solely through, you know, the sh- the looks they share. Mm-hmm. You can tell whether you know oh, yeah. mm-hmm. what the atmosphere atmosphere of the scene is, and um, I think that's you know a combination of the great writing, great direction, and also great acting. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm a hu- I'm a huge uh, Adele Hill fan, if that's how she say her name right. she probably never <laughs> hear this, so don't even matter, but um, She might, she might. If she does, I'll kill myself. Um, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Just JK JK Lil. JK Um So But that that scene, you know you can and then from there on in I couldn't I couldn't stop looking then, when they were looking at each other, and then you know, there's those moments where you see exactly as Marianne sees when she paints on the canvas, or when um, they kiss for the first time and the camera rounds the corner of the cliff rather than Marianne. I love that, uh-huh. oh, and yeah, you know, gorgeous. and then you're sort of the third in the relationship, not to be such a unicorn hunter, but well, like. Um, <laughs> 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 but do you know what I mean? Like,
3: um, <laughs> like that. It's just a very intimate the way yeah. it's filmed. Yeah. yeah. And you
0: end up watching them as if they've been, like, the way they've been watching each other.
1: Yeah. 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 And, you, but, and you're completely submerged in the relationship they have. And, like, e- like, and then at the end, when she's looking, oh, oh. When she's looking yeah. when she's looking straight at Heloise at the orchestra and it like zooms oh so see you bring
0: up that scene.
3: <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> the, the film the podcast is about the film. Um, yeah. But you know I just when, cry every time when, when that scene happens, especially like with the music together. It's yeah. just
0: And I can't look away even though i n I've seen it mm-hmm. already. I know yeah. it's gonna happen, but I'm just like maybe they'll look at each other. I
3: know. But it's just it's just
0: like the
1: intensity of of that yeah. moment you know because you you know as the camera zooms and you know and you feel that you know Marianne hasn't taken her eyes off Heloise for like one minute or one mm-hmm. second and but you haven't done the same you're like watching her as she experiences these yeah. emotions and you're like
3: nah mate I'm out <laughs> i've seen like i've seen like coming back to like the office and diuridica and like the the lovers and the poets choice i've kind yeah. of seen this argument that um because you're you when you're watching it you're just hoping that like eloise will turn around and will oh. suddenly see marianne right when mm-hmm. they're at the orchestra and then you hear it well she didn't see me and i've seen this argument that uh Eloise actually knows that Marianne is there but she's making kind of the the poet's choice in the sense because earlier they talk about like keeping each other's memory and um yeah. how you know it's the if if she were to be looked to yeah oh jesus christ thoughts in english um if uh <laughs> Eloise were to turn around and see Marianne they would kind of lose that memory of each other and it yeah, would be yeah. something completely new like opening up one yeah. so like yeah it's I think it's like a really interesting choice and especially the last time they draw each other is after they, like they slept with each other for the last time and uh marianne draws like a quick sketch portrait of uh eloise and eloise says at one point you won't see me anymore you'll just see the memory of this portrait that you've drawn and mm. i think there's like kind of a, a really interesting recall of them being like we're, are we going to keep this memory or am I going to turn around and am I going to look back at you? Yeah. Um, and I think it's just you know a, a nice like, continuous spin off it and it just makes it hurt so much more yeah. because you want her to turn around and look at Marianne and at the same time you get why she doesn't. Yeah. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it just that whole you're I mean you're completely right, you're, you're begging for her to look at her um, but the fact that she doesn't I think just makes the film just all that more intimate I think that is just the one word that for me sums up this film completely Mm -hmm. and I think that a lot of um representations that we see of like lesbian affection lesbian love queer love can be very um like fetishized and can be Mm -hmm. very yeah um, can feel very untrue yeah and can just Mm -hmm. I remember just watching this film and, and thinking like there's there are explorations of desire and love and understanding between these two women that so many films that have shown that center straight relationships that maybe center gay relationships just haven't haven't um got mm-hmm. to as far as I'm concerned. Like yeah. there's just such an intimate um uh an intimate feel to this to this film and I think that's just mm-hmm. so so heartbreaking. Yeah.
0: There's also so many, I think, conventions that the film does deliberately to make it the whole film feel more intimate as well. Like with the location just being that one island and that one house and the small cast mm-hmm. and the like mm-hmm. not a lot of dialogue so and also not a lot of time. Like you you mm. feel like with the emotions in this film that months could have passed, but really she's only been there for like two weeks. And mm-hmm. you just feel like it's almost like this. Like intense, like these these women. Like obviously, she just came from a convent, and she's like an artist that's like obviously puts all her energy into her work because she's a female artist in a time where female artists weren't a thing. And then they just share the this time together, and it's so short and so fleeting and so intense. And then when she does see her at the orchestra, it's almost as if like do they do, do they want to ruin it? But she's obviously mm. like like yeah. begging for it to become but then i think the reason that they don't like i think the decision in the end that they don't look at each other is because obviously that would make it too real it would bring it into the like the real world where they can't be together whereas they mm-hmm. just instead share that time that they did have together yeah.
3: yeah yeah and i think i think it also like works really well that it's at the you know orchestra where they do play i think it's in this summer not about this winter because that is yeah. all about you know is that there's like, there are literally three pieces, like three instances where there is the use of music. There is no use of non diegetic music. It's only diegetic music, so music within mm-hmm. the film. And it's uh, Vivaldi Summer and the choir of women singing. And yeah. you know, Vivaldi Summer is all about this massive thunderstorm Um, coming the anticipation and then you know kind of all hell breaks loose and it's like such a I feel like a nice reflection of the emotional turmoil that these two women in that moment Mm -hmm. go through like all the possibility Mm -hmm. all the emotions but also you know kind of the the it's just so much like for both of you and this women I think it's like just so well paired together Mm -hmm. and like especially with that choice of not having that much music at all in the film it just really brings Mm. at home what what they you know they feel in that moment and I think they're staring both of them at the end are just staring directly
2: they're staring directly at the memory through listening to that piece of music the fact that Marianne's Mm -hmm. watching her and seeing how visibly you know shaken she is by listening to the song and you know she can watch she can watch all these memories come flooding back to her. So she knows she's not been forgotten and she knows that, you know, Heloise is feeling as intensely and as strongly about those memories as she does. So it's almost like they don't need to look at each other. She has that
0: that knowledge. That coupled with the fact that the page is open at 20 Oh, oh, wow. I, had, oh I had I had just stopped crying, and then that that happened. I was like, right, time to pull cool it together. And then I saw that, and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. there's here, there's yeah. a naked yeah. picture of her in nothing. I <laughs> 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 respectful, naked. I respect- respectful, <laughs> I'm looking respectfully. It's
1: not respectful. It's not respectful <laughs> See when it's see not. when the cameras were off, Marianne was drawing Eloise's like you know I'm not going to say it
0: because I don't know if I
1: can say that on this podcast this will never have be
0: the that will be the most David's how to Google things and be like is this okay to have on podcast <laughs> <laughs> is unicorn hunter okay yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is a unicorn <laughs> That's what David's giggling right now David's listening he's like oh Jesus I'm going to have to get out For God's sake.
1: listen, listen. listen. <laughs> listen. <laughs> Just
0: don't know else, <laughs> listen listen he'll We're know listening. what a unicorn hunter is it's david come on <laughs> it's
1: david it's, not, it's david david you're not a unicorn hunter when you hear this you're
0: not yeah, but he might, he'll might. he know what one is definitely well i hope he's not one then no i don't think Should we tell, one, I know.
2: tell the pod what a unicorn hunter is in case anyone doesn't know Oh,
1: shit. On you go, Heather. Explain I hope, yourself. I hope I'm right. So, a unicorn hunter
0: is basically. I hope your mom and dad listen to this.
1: <laughs> my dad's probably listening downstairs right now. Um, but um, a unicorn hunter, basically, from what I from what I understand, it can be like a singular or like a plural noun, and basically, it's Love like.
0: It. A, Did you do English lit?
1: Oh my god. Kiss my toe.
0: (laughs) Sorry, I'm not Army Hammer.
1: No, so like it's like someone who is in a is like in a straight relationship. So like um, usually defined like cis man, cis woman who are Mm -hmm. looking for the the you know the word usage is looking for a third, which is usually. like usually a female and
0: a beautiful bisexual woman
1: yeah a beautiful bisexual woman um who like they're like looking for a third to spice things up looking for a third to like eat things up in the bedroom and they're called unicorn hunters because they like fetishize like fetishize basically sapphic identifying people
3: got you yeah
0: that's right so page 28 <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> how, who, how did you even get on unicorn hunters okay.
1: i have no idea if you're a unicorn okay. hunter listen to this podcast
0: hit back yeah i am a, a beautiful femme bisexual i don't I want know. your advances but that's <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> this is not
2: for this film was not for you so no off.
0: this film's not for you you can't watch it i'm sorry it's, it's Yeah, Yeah. women love women here, (laughs) woman.
3: Yeah.
0: Right. Where were we? Page 20. I'm crying.
3: Yeah. 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 I just think it's also such, like, a beautiful act of defiance on, like, yeah. Heloise's part because, you know, she has very little agency. She, like, doesn't really have a choice in her destiny. So in the beginning, what she does is refuse to sit portrait. And mm-hmm. obviously, once she's married, she can't do that. But by, you know, keeping that page 28 open, knowing or hoping that one day... um, Marianne will see it it is kind of a a, a secret message is a code and it's her act of defiance it's the little bits that she can do and you know the way she is like Mm. right I have to do this but I'm doing this still on my terms I'm having a bit of my agency and I'm acting on it which just you know makes it not only like such a nice anecdote but also so heartbreaking in the end I feel like yeah I also feel like that ties into
1: the angry conversation they have right before mum comes back um where she's like imagine me happier imagine me unhappy but don't imagine me guilty do you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like, yeah. She's saying like and like when this is over imagine me however you like but don't imagine me like um placid like she's gone yeah. along, you know that she's gone yeah. along with it without any a sort of um defiance or anything like that because obviously Mm -hmm. she is like as you say Monon like she is very defiant um Mm -hmm. and so I think yeah what you said there like that really um that really stands out especially like when she's like getting that portrait painted and she's obviously brought that book for a reason um to like hope that maybe one day Marianne will see it and Mm -hmm. know that she's checking out that sexy drawing she drew (laughs)
3: <laughs>
2: yeah I, th- I think there's also um to me that was like it was definitely an act of defiance but I the first time I saw it, I saw it as like a it was like a little hello it was like a little it was like mm-hmm. sending a message yeah. out almost like a you know like a bottle out to sea because yeah, like you a know, heard how heard. It, yeah and I think the the reason we find or well I find I don't know about you guys but I I tend to really romanticize um just the time before phones, I know that's like such a cliched thing to say, like it's hardly a hot, typing hot take, but um, just this idea of be, not being able to communicate with people, that communication being completely cut off, not knowing when you're going to see someone ever again or speak to them ever again, which we can't, you don't really have now. Like, yeah, you can block someone on like, Instagram, you can delete someone's number, <laughs> um, but if you really wanted to, um, okay, I'm not a stalker, but like if, if you really wanted to, you could for sure like, Find people online or try and contact. Find them, their LinkedIn. Like, LinkedIn. <laughs> find their LinkedIn. Oh my God, I forget <laughs> about that then. one. Their yeah, find their <laughs> people. Exactly. Um, you know, look up their house on Google Maps if you really want. Like, it's fine. find their um, private Instagram. Yeah, like mm. it's a you know it's a creepy world that we live in where you can you can contact people so quickly. So I think what's even more heartbreaking and then is equally so romantic is that you know. That's it. What you know when are they ever going to see each other again? I think, you know, sh- she says in the present tense at the end of the film. She saw her, um in this portrait that she saw at the orchestra and you're just like, okay, but when are you going to see her again and when are you going to talk to her again? Like I think that's something that's hard for people of our generation to
3: come um, to terms with. Yeah. I mean, I mean doesn't she like explicitly she doesn't like, but you know at the orchestra she says this I saw her one last time, not like I saw her again, but I saw her one last time. Yeah. Which, you know, I find it's beautiful because when she sees the portrait, she says, I saw her again for a first time. And then Mm -hmm. I saw her again for a last time. And it's just that you have that kind of sense of hope. And then, oh, she sees the portrait and then sees her again for the last time in the orchestra. And I think that just that finality still is like just the way she said it. Like, like I saw her again for the first time. That is just I, I don't know why about that wording. Like the whole I just want the whole screenplay essentially tattooed yeah. on my body. Yeah. Because the voice, the, the, the words they're just beautiful, but that just that, you know, again, like yeah, sorry. I just I I don't know where I'm going with this. I just think it's a very beautiful voice. Yeah. Well, do we think
2: that because I had completely I had completely forgotten about that little line actually, and that's actually interesting to bring that up. Do we think then that something's happened and she's maybe passed away? Because why else would she say I saw her for the last time because you would always sort of hold on to this hope that you might see them at some other point.
1: I and then when she oh. see the way it's, I the way I thought about it is that like I don't know I guess I guess even though we see her in like um, her Marianne I mean in her studio uh, and then she says I saw her again for a first time and then I saw her again for the last time I always imagined that she was telling that from like. I don't know, her deathbed, <laughs> like, 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 oh, like that see. she, that it was some sort of, you know, reflection that, um, that she, you know, she, these are the last two, these are, you know, the only other two times she saw her again, um, mm-hmm. and in my mind, I was like, okay, she's telling that from, like, her deathbed, because as you say, like, why else would you, why else
3: yeah. would you be like, yeah.
1: I saw her again you- for the first time, I saw her again for last time, so... Yeah.
3: The voiceover, like, when she does it, it, that's, like, the one thing that really irks me is that I can't properly figure out the way it's supposed to be narrated because you do have that voiceover um, in the, like, in the very beginning of the film when, obviously, she says the way she's secretly gone on paint Marianne, like, you have to watch out for the ear and stuff. But that's kind of it. Afterwards, you don't hear do a voiceover anymore and then you just hear it again. And I'm just, like, I'm trying to piece it together. And it just drives me insane that it kind of, like, there's that certain inconsistency or just feels almost kind of thrown in randomly yeah. even though yeah. it isn't but personally I like to imagine that she just tells the stories to like her art students or something mm-hmm. rather than her deathbed but also I kind of mm-hmm. just like the idea that she says I saw her for the last time not because she's dying but because that's just where the story ends for them and you know mm-hmm. drawing it out would feel wrong and it's just that's where the story ends That's yeah. that's the yeah. end of it that's why I just I
0: took from it. Oh, sorry, let me go.
2: No, no, no. I, I mean, I have rambled on and on. I just was, um, when I was thinking about death, sadly, even though I don't want to, um, I was just reminded that, uh, um, Heloise's older sister, um, it sort of implied that she, um, mm. takes her own, has taken her own life at the beginning of the film to avoid, basically, being being married to this stranger, um, and then. So taking into that and in consider that into consideration, which actually is a point of the film that I forget all the all the time, um, that that is sort of that's how the film starts. Um, so thinking about that, and then also thinking about the fact that she's painted this portrait of um Heloise on the beach, sort of in flames. Like I, I think I just convinced myself that something really, um, sort of really tragic could happen to her and um, it happened to Heloise as well but uh, it is, it's just sheer you know it's sheer speculation which I suppose is you know it's only helpful in so much as you know it's, it's interesting
3: to think about it, but it doesn't lead you to any to any answers I suppose
0: mm-hmm.
3: that's all I wanted yeah. to say. I also just find the time jump really interesting because I feel like the film would almost work if you don't have that beginning maybe in the in the opening in the in the drawing class you could just start the story from when she goes to the island Mm -hmm. um but i feel like it gives the whole thing an interesting kind of narrative Mm -hmm. frame to it uh i I don't feel like i'm currently smart enough to figure out how that exactly works but i think it's just an interesting addition that doesn't necessarily need to be there but it it adds to a kind of narrative frame style I, i
1: liked it as well because like um, you see her as in a much more instructive role, you know. I mean, like mm-hmm. it places her as a teacher. Whereas I feel like a lot of the time, when she's with Hilary, she feels very, maybe not um, lost, but like uh, a lot less in control. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, and I think yeah. you know she's studied painting. She knows the techniques. She knows the art. She knows the forms. You know, she knows. Um, she, you know, she knows the sort of constraints and stuff like that so, um, I liked it at the beginning when uh, she's, you know, teaching this sort of you know, flock of six or seven girls and she's telling, you know, pay attention to this and, you know take your time and
3: mm-hmm. don't
1: rush and you know, notice the, you know, the small things Um so I liked it as well. So because it's like a nice, I think it's very, um, very like a stark contrast to how she is with yeah. Eloise. Mm-hmm.
3: I think just her sitting for the portrait is also like a nice parallelism to obviously Eloise sitting in the portrait. Especially if you think about her wardrobe, because most of the film we see her in that red dress, and then in mm-hmm. the very beginning, at the very end, she wears that blue dress, which throughout the film we established alongside green is uh the colour for um Eloise because Eloise is wearing that, that blue dress. So I think it's kind of a nice reverse of the rules almost because she's obviously letting herself be watched, just not maybe mm-hmm. in the in the same
2: mm-hmm.
3: in the same way. Like there's just so much symbolism in this film. Yeah. If you think about literally every single painting and then the colours. And then obviously you have the flames, which, you know, draw back to the title and you have, like, obviously Eloise be drawn in flames, but then also the very first portrait that was never finished of her being, you know, burned by Mariana, like, being burned at the heart. And sorry, I know I just did, like, a full 180, but I just... It's, it's just <laughs> so full of stuff and Man I love long. it so much and, like, just mm. the symbolism of it all. Yeah, it
0: is so full of symbolism. And also, it's just, from the, from the offset, so full of intense ideas I think that increases the intensity of what you feel watching the film because like at the start they're having that really casual well it feels casual conversation on the beach where she straight up asks her what happened to her sister and I think it's just like it's just like communally decided between the two girls and Sophie that this that marrying this man would have been a worse fate than death and that's why her sister tried to talk, well allegedly through herself mm-hmm. off, the, off the so that's like and I think that just increases the intensity of the whole film because you it's not just Marianne is sending Heloise to my this man it's she's sending her to a fate that in most uh, in all three of the women's eyes is worse than death
3: so mm-hmm.
0: and it's like and I think that's why like at the end at like when she says Like, that was the last time. I don't think, I don't, when I watched it, I didn't see it as, like, it was on her deathbed or anything. I just see it as she saw her that time alive watching like the orchestra and she saw her having all those emotions that she wanted to have and she wanted to listen to music and then she decided then to stop like looking for her like before that mm. i feel like she was probably yeah. looking for her like yeah. trying to like she was in milan trying to see if she would walk into the same places oh. if she would see her in the same places mm. and then she sees her at the orchestra she sees her like enjoying the music she sees that her life isn't worth worse than than death and then she go and then she stops looking for her Okay, why am I
2: tearing up at that analogy? That's, exactly
0: that's what I took from it because I think she saw that her life isn't like. Because obviously, in that moment when they're both in bed together and they're thinking about how when she leaves, that'll be it, and like it'll be worse, it'll be the worst thing ever. And then they realize it's not the worst thing ever, like it's sad and they miss each other and they still love each other, but they know they can't be together, but it's not the worst thing ever, and she's still alive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when they both will she accepts that she she just has to move on. She doesn't have a choice. So then she stops looking for it. Yeah. That's what I saw it as. Do you know, yeah, that,
2: that. that is just fucking gorgeous. <laughs> I yeah, love that. It's, <laughs> it's it's beautiful. Listening to that was like listening to the, the orchestra itself. That was just beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you know, and it actually just reminded me of um, going back to the myth that we started talking about. It's, it's almost like playing out the same myth. It's like she she can't, she shouldn't look at her right she shouldn't like yeah. keep torching herself by mm-hmm. searching for her and looking for and like you said like looking around Milan seeing if she's there um, trying to trying to like just prove to herself that you know she still feels the same way or she still looks back on that memory the same and then she does she gets that final look at the end and then it's over then it's done mm-hmm. and then it's like right okay I've I can be implicated by the fact that she's just as moved, she's just as, you know, you know, touched by the music,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: then that's it, yeah. sort of, dead. oh, oh, I'm going <laughs> to greet! <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: We're all reliving the film now. I th- I think am, like, I just, I used to, uh, like, when obviously you just said that, um, you know, uh, that she's in Milan searching for um, and uh, that, you know, Heloise, you know, has, you know, had to come to terms with the fact that it's not the worst thing. And, you know, it's not worse than death, but it is terrible and she misses her so much. And, um, you know, and it's sad and all these things. Like earlier on in the film, when Marianne is describing the symphony to Eloise, and, um, you know, she's playing it on the... Uh, on the it's not a piano, but I can't remember harpsichord. Yeah, harpsichord. Oh shit! You do higher oh. You do
0: higher music? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I do hire music. Connie. <laughs> 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 um,
1: but when she's when she's playing on the harpsichord and um, you know she says then you uh, 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 Hillary says that's beautiful. I'd love to hear it and then. Marianne says, then you'll enjoy Milan. It's the city uh-huh. of music. Um, and she says, you know, so you'll be happy there. And then Eloise says, um, no, what you're telling me is sometimes I'll be consoled there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Like that, something like thinking of it like that, that end scene sums it up so well. Like, she put, like, what she's feeling in that moment is. The consolation, not only of the music, but also of the memory the music holds, only for her and not for anyone mm. else in theatre. That of that time and that perfect love that she had for Marianne, and um, you know that I think looking at it with that has definitely made it a whole lot meaning more meaningful for me because, yeah. like, yeah. like you see it in practice that you know she like that yeah it's not the worst thing in the world but it is you know she it is mm. horrible and that at that moment she feels you know maybe the first or maybe you know some sort of consolation mm. and from the yeah. reason, and from the memory of Marianne and so that's the reason if she does know that she's there she doesn't need to look do you yeah. know because I mean? looking you,
2: would
0: just make it harder
2: yeah, yeah. I think uh that's that's a, such a good point I think memory is something that um it's is so interesting I think it gets brought up a lot in love stories there's this there's just all this tragedy surrounding like like long lost memories or memories of someone who you know ha, is is gone from your life it's, I think it's like a really romantic notion and I'm just thinking about um first-time films doing a podcast on uh eternal sunshine of the spotless mm-hmm. mind and how mm-hmm. that's a film all about um uh me- memory and try- mm-hmm. trying to wipe yeah. people from your memory mm-hmm. and trying sort of trying to trying to convince yourself that you didn't feel that love for someone because the memory of that love is so painful um i think th- and i i i mean I, I know there was some contentious thoughts about that film on the last episode but i think it is a really romantic notion this film just takes it to the next level. I think yeah. if we had to compare them, I think was it when Harry met Sally? Was that the other Valentine? Yeah, time? that
0: was the other mm-hmm. one.
2: So I, I so we are number say, three, yeah.
0: third and best, third and best,
2: best, best to last for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, I've, I've never seen When Harry Met Sally, and I suppose it is more of a rom-com, so it's maybe looking for that lighter sort of take on romance. But I just think you know, it, it just doesn't compare. Those those two films, as, as great as Eternal Sunshine is, um. If if you want to talk about really deep romance and just yeah. love in yeah. its purest form, I think this film is very very pure, I think, is what I thought mm-hmm. as well. It's just such a yeah. an un even though there is this insane tension of like the fact that she has to go and marry this man, it's not about that. That's not mm-hmm. the main tension. The yeah. main tension is that just this insane uh, desire and love they have for each other. So I think mm-hmm. it's
3: just it's just it's great it's just the best it is <laughs> it's just the I'm just, just know, love talking love about <laughs> <laughs> talking about that you know like kind of like pure like very like res- it's it's a very respectful love as well because it is so complicated but I remember reading an interview with the um director whose name I do also not dare to pronounce um about you know oh, when they first goodness. kiss and they have like the scarves around their mouth how so it's like even that yeah. is all about the consent because in so many rom-coms they just suddenly grab each other and kiss each other. Like, can you name one rom-com where like a person gets asked, Hey, can I kiss you? And with them, they have to remove their scarves. And just, I think that's such Mm -hmm. a nice Mm -hmm. take on romance, seeing that like the, the both equal consent that like, you know, is happening between Mm -hmm. them and Mm -hmm. also just, uh, to to jump on that, you know, that, that special love that they have. It is just so true when uh Elise asks do all people in love feel like they invent something new. Yeah. Like that this line oh, is so such, good. such good. a gut punch. But it uh-huh. feels almost like the film invented something new, like a completely new take on love, yeah. a completely new way of telling a love story that just rips you apart mm-hmm. every yeah. time you see it. And it's just so in tense and and, and beautiful Mm -hmm. in all the kind of you know it's it's it feels like it's got a completely new take on romance and and romance movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think as well it's it's
2: pure and I just want to make it clear like it it has it has this very pure portrayal of love but it is also incredibly sexual and very sensual and in such a way that it just feels so so visceral like I remember watching it for the first time and just I had to kind of pause it just because I felt I felt like I was really intruding on something so intimate.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Fingers are Yeah, eh?
2: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) by the time I got to that part, I was just like, I mean, we're past the threshold of intimate here. But um, just that little part that uh, Manon was talking about, um, where she says, um, I think when they go to kiss and she says, uh, do lovers feel like they're inventing something for the first time? She then says, um, I think Eloise says something about having imagined her. And Marianne says, oh, did you dream of me? And she said, no, I, I thought about you. That yeah. to me was just like one of the most like, s- intentional. Intentional so sexual. Yeah.
3: And, and just- it's just the way they hold each other. Like, oh. I think, because I mean, it all starts with uh, Marianne leaning her head on the slope of Eloise's neck. And mm-hmm. that to me is just so intimate. Like, it's almost like the dance that when the way they shift and, you know, when, when, mm-hmm. when, um, uh-huh. It starts whispering from like behind the way she's hugging um, Mary, Marianne in her ear, those words. And you know what? I watched this film for the first time with my parents. And like Mama? wow. <laughs> I, I watched I watched Game of Thrones together with my dad, and I was less flustered watching Game of Thrones with him than when I was, you know, watching this film. Like yeah. even though it's so much less explicit, it just mm-hmm. the intimacy of it is just completely so much yeah. insane. And I think what's really beautiful about us is that you don't need to, like, see it explicitly. Like, you see with so many other, we touched about it earlier, but um, um, lesbian or, like, you know, queer movies of women is that there's always that complete, like, we have to show, like, an explicit sex scene, we have to, like, do that kind of like male gazey fetishizing yeah. kind of thing that mm-hmm. makes one really uncomfortable. Like like in the hand made and all, like blue is the warmest color. For oh my god, like. I was about to say that. It's, mm-hmm. it's just A little like, twenty it's... minute long. <laughs> yeah, and it's just this way. It just felt so much more intimate and sensual, especially with the close up of just you know rubbing that armpit. Also, shattered for like. Having them not shave their armpits and being like historically accurate. Yeah. Um, I think that every time I see it. Um, but I think that's just, once again, the, the magic of that kind of film of creating that incredibly intimate, incredibly sensual, incredibly sexual tension mm-hmm. without really showing any of it. I think that's quite mm-hmm. the art of it.
2: Yeah. 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 I like don't consider myself a prude at all. Um, but I I don't know why I just have a real problem with sex scenes on film and TV that that I think just so many of them are just so gratuitous and unnecessary and I don't think that directors or writers or performers I don't think they do anything new when they have like a very uh, sort of in-your-face sex scene like to me it does it's not exploring anything new about characters or a storyline and especially when they are quite gratuitous like I just there's nothing in it for me that feels artistic um, most of the time. Um, but this film just, you know, it just nailed it, in my opinion. It was incredibly uh, sexy. It was sexy! It's a sexy, sexy. film! Sexy. Um, I know, I feel like everyone listening to this is going to be like, oh, this sounds like a real tearjacker. No, it's it's sexy as well. Yeah, it's sexy not, as hell,
0: for sure. It's just not... Um, You're on the edge of your seat in many ways.
2: Yeah, yes. but they... Oh, sexy. for sure. For sure. <laughs> but it's, it's for them, like it's the the sort of sensualness, the sexiness. I love that word. I think it's so silly Excellent. and fun. Um, it's for the characters. It's not for the audience to sit and like gawp at and like mm-hmm. you know yeah. r- relish. And it's completely for them. Which I think when I wa- when I was watching it, I really understood that. So it made me a bit uncomfortable because I was like, oh my goodness. It's like I'm sorry. Like I'll leave you guys to it. Like oh. yeah. <laughs> I just Yeah. To shut yeah. the door. I was like, See, oh, sorry, I
1: think guys. I think a similar thing about like. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I love *Brokeback Mountain*, and mm. if it, if you guys haven't seen it, um, the the intimacy, although it is a lot more, uh, what can I say? What should I say? Forefront. What's <laughs> it? <laughs> <But, laughs> um, you know, it's it's a very uh, you know, it's not as um, uh, you know underlying in *Brokeback Mountain*. Mm. Um, but the int- the intimacy, the sex, and all that stuff, um, it definitely feels like it's for the two characters, Jake Gyllenhaal and Keith um, mm. Ledger's characters. Like you feel very intruding on yeah. you know their intimacy with each other, and mm-hmm. I felt it, you know a really you know similar feeling while I was watching Portrait because it's that sort of thing where it's like they are sort of discovering it for themselves. So you don't really, you know, you shouldn't really be watching that sort of thing. And I think, you know, we could get into a larger sort of debate or I could go on for, you know, a larger sort of spiel about how that's about, you know, um, our society being centred around, you know, heterosexual cisgendered norms. But and that's why we feel comfortable watching you know, or at least more comfortable watching um, straight people have sex in films but uh, you know, with these two queer couples it feels so sacred I remember thinking that when I was watching Brooke Mountain and then again when I was watching Portrait that it's so sacred because it's something that the characters have, you know, yearned for and yet Mm you know it's personal yet it's connective and it's something they know that happens within them and yet know that they can't reveal um and Mm -hmm. you know if in Brokeback Mountain it's very similar um very similar sort of atmosphere when you you know watch you watch Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger Kiss for the first time and it's you know it's sort of aggressive, but you watch it and you're like, okay, I definitely should not be watching this. Like, yeah, because mm. it's so because it's so personal. Oh, I love Ang Lee. Mm. Ang
2: Lee, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> I know this. Like, I know this isn't part of the podcast, so David, you can definitely edit this out if you want. But like, I've seen Call Me by Your Name before. I wasn't like, I, I wasn't like massively like bowled over by it, the way some people were. I think it's like a really good film. Um, but I was just wondering what you guys thought about comparing <laughs> that. Tell us. Just like <laughs> compa- I know, that yeah. is like, shut up, this is not what I asked you to do. But but- first of all, <laughs> we're 20
0: minutes over time. Second oh, of all, he's it. like, don't talk about Army Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: Not even about like Army Hammer, but well, let's ignore like,
0: Army Hammer. Let's just Let's ignore
2: Army Hammer. But if we've talked about like this sort of very authentic and like personal sort of sexual relationship between the couple in Portrait and the couple in Bookback Mountain like just for your pers- just to hear your mm-hmm. personal opinions like do you think that Call Me By Your Name like achieved the same thing or did it feel different for you or I suppose like none of us are, are gay men um so I suppose you know we don't we might not feel as
3: strongly mm-hmm. about it but yeah I don't know what did you think? Um, well, I think Call me by your name did did okay I was I'm sorry It was um like kind of the, the, the young first kind of crush you get from I think his name's Elio. But mm-hmm. I just I, I've only seen the film once and I cannot ever see it again because of the peach scene. I just hate the <laughs> peach <laughs> scene. It's just like I didn't I didn't need to watch him fuck a peach. I, like, you know <laughs> I liked the peach scene. I'll come and
0: see it. It was
3: uh, good. We're about no, to have a time in first-time films
1: right here right now.
3: I was just like no no thank you and I, I think they did a good job but I just it doesn't feel that kind of way I feel like I'm intruding for the wrong reasons yeah. like it, it does feel a bit intrudery but it's it's mainly just that age gap that makes me yeah, yeah, yeah I agree uncomfortable I think,
1: I think the, the what really differentiates between Brooke Bagman and Call Me By Your Name is that is a the age gap because it is so strange and you know a lot of com- call me by your name's demographic is older It is a younger people mm. um because everyone you know loves that timothy chalamet um, well, uh, <laughs> why and
2: why i don't know
1: but um but you, so, boy. so you mm. know i mean like that was you know that's very his target audience and so um you i you know younger people who view it will identify with him and i think you know that it's it's uncomfortable because it is his relationship with, uh, you know, Army Har- Hammer's character is, it's uh, you know very explicitly sexual near the mm-hmm. end, of it. Um, yeah. and what it feels like is that it feels a little bit exploitative because the character is so young, and you know the older character is. You know, a friend of his parents, and so it's it's. I think it crosses a line of trust mm-hmm. that is established earlier mm-hmm. on in the film, um, and not in a way that um, it doesn't it it doesn't work to reassure the character or anything like that. You know, the end of the film is, is a similar one to Portrait. You know, they can't be together. They can't see each other and yet they don't have the same lasting impact because, um, you know, Timothy Chalamet's character is so young and mm. um, you feel sort of somewhat like he's been taken advantage of um, by someone who should really know better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm. I, think that, I think that's w- the main reason why they don't have the same sort of emotional pale Mm -hmm.
0: and also i think Mm -hmm. call me by your name is as much a coming of age film as it is a romantic film Mm Where portrait is all romance tension and forbidden love whereas call me by your name Mm -hmm. is more about timothy
3: finding himself yeah i think i would have enjoyed call me by your name more if like they didn't get together, and it was just that, that first crush, that first exploration from, like, Timothy Chalamet's character side, because I think mm. the coming of age part and, like, him being, like, all jealous or, like, moody, I think that's kind of well done and I think I enjoyed that, it's yeah, just agree. when it starts getting icky, that you're, like, yeah. doing, does, does it doesn't have to be like that, like, maybe if they just, you know, left it with a kiss or something, I think that would have made it a, an, a bigger impact, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm. Do you
2: feel like there's the same yearning? Because I feel like Like, that is what this film, uh, Mm. what Portrait of a Lady uh, just does so well, is that there's this, like, forbidden yearning. But I just, I I don't know if... Lesbians own yearning, and that's lesbian. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yearning is for the ladies, and that is it. (laughs) There is a lot of yearning in Call Me By Your Name, and it's one of the reasons why I love the book so much. But then I feel like the film, I think the film just had a really uncomfortable and sometimes, like, mainly sexual overtone. Yeah. Whereas it felt it felt more like they just really wanted to secretly fuck than they actually just wanted to be with each other.
3: Yeah, yeah. I agree. Whereas I agree. portrait
0: is like, yeah, they do want to have sex, but most of all they just wanna like hold each other's hands and read portrait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with I that, <laughs> we must wrap up the portrait section okay. of the podcast because we are now, I think, about half an hour over time. Oh my god, Gaten! I was going to go words. into, I was going to go into a criticism section. Got no, on. we can't. <laughs> I, had, I had six more questions. We only did two of them. Oh my and god, <laughs> it's all right because it's good. Because it's good to have more content than less. But we're going to have to cut it short because otherwise, David will kill me. He does have to edit this. Oh. So. Okay if I'm anyone sorry. wants to hear my criticism link in the bio. <laughs> yeah. Well, <what laughs> I would leave, love to hear if, the criticism. Is if this if this podcast is successful we can get David to do a monthly one that's just us for and we can talk about whatever we want. I agree. I fucking love Please. that. Um, hi David, you can cut this out, but can we please have our own section of First Time Films? We're going to call yes. it First Time Femmes or something. Oh yes, God, yes please. It, it can't, can't be, be Femmes because yes.
1: I'm butch. I, I know.
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, first time, I don't know, we'll think of something, we'll think of something. But we'll think of something. We're going to wrap up the section on Portrait because we do need to talk about the other things David has told us to talk about. Um, um, you got it, David, we're doing it yeah, for you. For you, David so Mm -hmm. first, last thing I'm going to do is go around and get everyone's scores out of 10 so I have a vibe from the general discussions we've had that nobody's going to hate the film so I'll just start, I'm giving it a 9.5 out of 10 the 0.5 would would just be for them to get married at the end but that's (laughs) not happening that's not happening in 1770 France so the 9.5 I give it okay, Marnie you go
2: I want to give it a 10. I'll give it a 9.5 because even though I know it's very important that the film is mainly silent, I do love a, a, a good score. I like a good soundtrack. So a wee bit more music would have done a 10 for me.
3: Um, I think I'm, I'm going to give it a 10 because to be fair, I kind of love the lack like, of soundtrack because it just draws so much more attention to it. And it's just, you know... it. it it's just the perfect film and like i I would really love to hear Heather's criticism because I can't think of a single bad thing, honestly. <laughs> so okay. when, <laughs> when
0: I stop the recording we can all listen to Heather's criticism. Okay,
1: okay. Okay. Well to be honest to be honest, it's actually not it's not a sole criticism of portrait, it's more of a collective genre criticism. So maybe it's best that it stays out this episode. But um <laughs> with that my my grading is a nine for said criticism.
0: Okay, okay, if, if any listeners want to hear Heather's criticism, follow her on Twitter or something, isn't the,
1: the it? In, the Instagram handle is heather underscore
0: hilditch and... <laughs> Don't want to plug your poetry Instagram while we're here. Oh my god, David, sure. this in. Right, go. <laughs> no, I will not! <laughs> Today's um, news that David has so kindly given us as he thought it would be really funny for us to watch the Mortal Kombat trailer, how did everyone get on?
1: Hmm. <laughs> does someone have a buzzin' or is it me? I don't
0: know.
1: I think
2: it—it's not me, but I, I can hear the buzzin'. Yeah, so can I. Oh, I
0: hear is it me? Oh, I can't too?
1: Hear it. Oh, it's gone. Are you it's you gone. rascals. Yeah.
0: <laughs> sorry, um, sorry, 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 I was to interrupt. No, no, it was David's soul that entered the chat. <laughs> right.
2: David was like, shut up.
0: Yeah, right. So, what did we all think of the Mortal Kombat trailer? Honestly, I In mean, 4K. I
1: don't know what, I don't know the Mortal Kombat lore, I don't know the history, I don't know the, you know, the Mortal Kombat universe. It was a game, right? Yeah, a video game. I think from the nineties.
0: Right, right. I'm glad someone knew that.
1: So, so obviously it follows in like a trend of like video games becoming films. So, you know, I don't think it'll be that critically acclaimed. I, it's not a film. Like watching from watching the trailer, it doesn't look
0: like
3: a film I would watch. Yeah.
0: Would any of us watch it?
3: I mean, not in the cinema, definitely not. But, like, if it got, like, really bad critics, you know, where it got to the point there's a film that's so bad that it's good again, I would maybe watch it. Um, also, you know, I, I quite like the occasional action movie, especially with, like, really well choreographed fight scenes. But, like, those just... Didn't really entice me with this one, and like, not yeah. gonna lie to you. I think I'm, I'm more likely to watch the Tetris movie they're currently filming oh. than the Mortal Kombat. One. There's <laughs> a Tetris movie. Yeah, and <laughs> I think oh it god. has um, Taron Egerton in it, and they're filming it. Uh, if I'm correct, they're filming it not in. Um, uh, they're filming it in Aberdeen.
0: Mm-hmm. Aberdeen. VR. Oh my god. They yeah. are. Sorry to yeah. anyone who's from Aberdeen. Oh my I goodness. <laughs> I mean. your other girlfriend <laughs> Stephanie's <laughs> from Aberdeen so oh, Steph, <laughs> right so right that's <laughs> it we've, we've seen um, the Mortal Kombat trailer we're not interested it's not for us moving on oh. so the next yeah, thing they would go I to do, does... yeah. <laughs> Well,
1: I would, I would love to know that if it was like I don't know for the Mortal Kombat fans out there if it's like because obviously it's It's, like, got, like, a a racially diverse cast and stuff like that. I would love to know if people are happy about, like, happy about that or, like, you know, because there's, like, that white chick in there. And so it's, like, is that a replacement a la Scarlet Witch or is it, like, are people happy with the casting is what I mean? Like, is it... um, is it you know uh, you know racially accurate casting? It's not like whitewashed like Death Note or something
0: like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. that
1: that I would at least be interested in. Maybe I'll Google after this.
0: So it's apparently I'm on Google right now. It's the second Mortal Kombat film. The first one was in 1995. Oh my god! So it's like a reboot. Yeah, I think
2: I I don't wanna. Court I don't wanna be a cliche, but um of being like i don't want to be a cliche of being like you know a woman on this podcast who is just absolutely you know he- heralded poor trouble lady on fire as like the best film ever made and then be shown like an action movie trailer and going no no thanks looks rubbish but i just think
3: but it does, um, but, it does yeah,
0: but it does and, and i i
3: can't yeah i love that good, yeah, there are good action movies out there, like The Old Guard, for example, is a freaking what? masterpiece of Agreed. an action film. It's mm. just so good, and like it's witty, and it's clever, but then you get to the trailer, and you get the most stupidest dialogue, like, oh, it's a birthmark, what does that mean? Oh, he was born with it, like, yeah. how do you not know what a birthmark, like, it just sounds incredibly <laughs> what stupid. Is it David, what did David make me watch a couple of podcasts ago? It's really,
0: it's really popular. What's it called? don't know, babe. You're Die Hard.
1: Oh, there we go. Die Hard.
0: Um, he made, like, what was that about? Nobody knows. I can't I, even so read the that. Die Hard? Die Hard I've seen. He made me watch it for Christmas. That was the Christmas one he gave me. Oh, Die Hard. Oh,
2: right.
0: Okay, I see. For what good reason? Don't, no one knows. No one knows. I love, um, I love action films, but this one didn't look good. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's I a thumbs down.
3: The, I, the only cool bit sorry heather Out you go no 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 sorry
1: i sorry i i, I was done uh,
3: <laughs> the only cool bit that made me go "ooh" is i think it's the very last scene where i don't know who's fighting with him but one of them has freezing powers and like you see the blood flying into the air and he freezes the blood as it's in the air into a dagger to then stab the other person with it that's really hard to describe what he's doing but that was like, the one thing where i was like oh that's a cool move but other than that, mm. and as I said, I love me a good fighting choreo. Like, mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite things to watch. Yeah. That one was just—it was not enticing at all. Like, just give me something to like bite my teeth and then watch with and be like, "Oh, I wish I could do that." And that film just did not deliver.
1: Yeah, yeah. Charlie Sterling. See, when you said about the Old Guard, Charlie Sterling mm. does a lot of good action movies. Oh yeah, not the Old Guard is definitely our top number one, but also uh, Bombshell. Was mm-hmm. like, she did loads of cool action sequences in that, and I remember from um, the trailer, I remember I was like,
3: damn, Charlie Theron can get it. I mean, she, can. <laughs> she can. Like, her and Ken Blanchard together in an action movie. That would, oh, that would be like my ideal. So like, I would not her name on this
0: portrait
1: podcast. Lesbianicons.com.org.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if anyone <laughs> I would want to star in Portrait with me, it'd be Cait Blanchard. I'm right here. The cast, mm. no, the cast of Ocean's <laughs> Eight. Put me and the cast of Ocean's Eight on a island in Brittany. We're sorted. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of action, speaking of action films, we would watch. The next thing David wants to talk about is all this the Spider-Man drama. Does did anyone right. read about it?
1: Yeah, because someone shared it to someone I know shared Tom Holland's post to. Yeah his Instagram story and it, it, the one he posted was phone home. And then right, the one that yeah. India posted was home slice. Yeah. So
0: basically, and then, sorry, sorry, you go, you go. No, no, I'm just going to explain it for the listeners. So basically the new Spider-Man films coming out and all of the, the cast all re- like posted to their own Instagrams, the film's like title page, but with different title names to try and like fool us. So we, so we don't actually know what the title was. Is it so? no. Do we not know now? We do, we do not... know now, but I'm going to reveal that in a minute. But first, David thought it would be fun if we were to come up with our own names. <laughs> so mm. we have to come up with what we would call it. <laughs> see, I,
1: oh. I have not seen a Marvel film since Endgame because I checked out um, and, I said, <laughs> and I said, no more. No oh, more. Boy. I'm not doing this to myself <laughs> anymore. Um, so I haven't seen Spider-Man Home Cut? No, Spider-Man Far From, home. from home? Yeah. And um, I know it. I don't know how it ends. I know it ends badly, question mark. Um, badly as in for the characters, badly as not, and it's a bad movie because I don't know, I haven't seen it. But um, I always I thought that a good title for it was Spider-Man Homesick because he can't go home. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so mm-hmm. so is that what you were you were gonna call it, right?
1: Yeah, that or Sweet Home Alabama. No, that's
0: what oh, I was gonna say. I you knew I was gonna say that. <laughs> can I just can I just announce to the podcast that Sweet Home Alabama is my favorite rom com? And you knew I was gonna say <laughs> that. I know. You I knew. Know. So <laughs> mine was gonna be Spider Man. Sweet favorite, Home just, Alabama. Just cut my bit out and let AJ. Say no, it's it. fine. It's fine. <laughs> right. So mine would be. Spider-Man Sweet Home Alabama, right? Marnie. <laughs> Mine met well, I am fully
2: against um just remaking films constantly and or continuing on franchises that should not be continued on. And I'm not saying that to like sleep. Oh it's a hot take.
0: It's, it's a, a hot take. A, it's a Get
2: her together. You've <laughs> never heard it before. It's coming fresh, straight off the press. Um, And I'm not saying that to like batter Spider-Man, I'm saying that to batter franchises in general, sort of film franchises that really do take the piss. So I think I would call it Spider-Man, homeward bound, because I think everyone went home. I think everyone just went home. I so like they're it. They're wife and their kids and stop making Spider-Man movies. Yeah. And I think or I would just call it like Spider-Man wrap it up. And it would just be like a <laughs> mm, right. finish this. It's over. Marty, yeah. I think is a yeah. great
1: one because yeah. Marvel does Marvel does like um, sagas in threes, and that's how like, like mm-hmm. they build up their universe. So like Iron Man had three movies, Captain America had three movies, Thor had three movies, um, and now they're pl- now they're bidding for Spider-Man to have three movies. So Homeward Bound, you sh- someone sh- for uh-huh. Marvel is going to listen to Some- this podcast <laughs> and get yeah team stat yeah. And
2: they're going to pay me forty million dollars for that title. For that title. Um, they yeah, should. Sure. Yeah, they and I'm, should. I, don't
0: really <laughs> I'm going to offer them Sweet Home Alabama for a sweet sweet twenty mil and hope they take mine instead.
3: Yeah, but no one wants yours. Right, so I've thought about this and I've drawn inspiration from um, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man because I don't uh-huh. know if it's true, mm-hmm. but I've read that Andrew Garfield was fired as Spider-Man because he wanted Spider-Man to be bisexual because I think in the comics he's bisexual. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least he has like a floating bi-sexual thing going king. on. Yes, Bisexual yes. king. So, like, obviously this would never happen because it's Marvel and it's Disney and like so. But I think they should name it Spider-Man 3 Going Full Home R. Yeah. Yeah. Like so that. yeah that uh and then we just have peter parker exploring his bisexuality and you know it's zendaya can horrible. do it too she she really
0: like, is to be speak. yeah oh well, zendaya just, came out the other week so we're all on that yeah crazy. she did <sighs> Missed that oh. no yeah. she didn't she didn't officially came out basically in an interview someone went to her what do you look for in guys and then she went i think you mean what do i look for in a person and then that was it Yes. Mm-hmm. and then it all kicked off. Amazing. So her and Hunter yes. amazing her What yes N- yeah intermittently when I'm not shining, Hunter Sheehan <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that was a
2: that was actually my Valentine's Day plan I didn't want to I didn't want to like expose any any um, yeah. Hollywood gossip but <laughs> me, and Zendaya, me and Zendaya have
0: been for sure Having on the side. Yeah. Oh I God. just want everyone I don't yeah. wasn't gonna say And that's I'm why you're know. in with the CEO of Marvel and that's how you know yep, that it's yep, gonna yep. be called Homeward yep. Bind.
1: <laughs> yeah. Watch me it. call it.
0: Watch me call it. <laughs> right. So you didn't actually call it because it it, it was announced oh. earlier today that it, oh. they, they obviously forebode this podcast and they've changed it to Spider-Man No Way Home. Which is not as good as mm. Homeward bound*. It's not as no. good Homeward i win. not. I okay, definitely do Get them on the phone yeah. right now. He's quaking. I think he's suing David as he speak. I'm calling
1: Anthony Russo <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Feige is on the phone currently as we speak. Right. So, I also think they should have all the home songs in it. It's like Country Road. Hey, hey, home,
0: home to And with that, a little bit of Country Road, like you would the P7 Disco. We are going to end the podcast 41 minutes over time. So, yeah. David doesn't tell me. <laughs> cool. I'm going to go around. We're all going to say goodbye. And then that's it. We're going to end the podcast. So, my name's AJ. This is. <laughs> for, for the listeners, David has just put in the chat, even for the podcast to be longer than the film. And yes, yes. we are. So, as we're wrapping up, I have been AJ. This has been First Time Films Portrait of a Lady on Fire episode. Everyone say goodbye. Bye! 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 Bye, 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 bye! bye, bye. bye. bye.